0: Hey, before we get started with the show uh, about uh, academic jobs and uh, those kinds of things, I know many of you are going to put on your letter of intent uh, that you're interested in a clinical position that is paired to an academic position uh, with a school of pharmacy, maybe even a medical school or something like that. But what I want to do is offer you this. In September, October, uh, and then parts of spring, uh, I don't have a student. So I've had students uh, all summer and then I have a student coming in uh, to uh, November, December. Uh, But if September, October, or uh, you're looking at springtime and you want to get some kind of sense of what it is, Uh, to be part of uh, a college and teaching and and those kinds of things, uh, take the time to reach out to me uh, and kind of tell me what your situation is. Uh, Maybe you didn't get an academic rotation. It just didn't fit. Uh, Maybe your academic rotation was more support where you're just grading papers and things like that. But if you want to get on the uh, side of kind of filling that checkbox where you're going to be qualified to enter either a teaching certificate program or you're going to be working uh, with uh, residents or students or something like that, uh, just contact me at TonyThePharmacist at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to you and kind of see if I can help you Uh, because there's always kind of things to do and being able to put on your CV that you did something with students uh, as their teacher, assistant, whatever it is, It's a really good thing to have to make sure that your rubric is complete. And I know that uh, many of you will either not get that opportunity or that opportunity will come way too late for your application. So TonyThePharmacist at gmail.com if you're interested in teaching uh, and then we can kind of take the conversation from there. But without further ado, uh, let's get to uh, Sydney Day's last week here. Uh, And uh, she really has something really cool to share. Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm back with Sydney Day from the University of Iowa in her last week of her APPE rotation, in the last day of the last week of the APPE rotation. Uh, Really sorry to lose her. And uh, we're going to talk today, though, about academic pharmacy jobs and uh, something that she did in leveraging the teaching that she was able to do here. So Welcome back to week five.
1: Thank you, Tony, for having me. It's been a nice rotation.
0: Awesome. All right, so let's get started. Uh, One of the things that many pharmacy students want to do is, uh, you know, they've been with the professors and they think, gosh, that would be a pretty good job. And uh, I don't know, I've never actually taught in a pharmacy school as a pharmacy professor, but as a resident, I did uh, teach in Iowa. I was Uh, Their resident teaching program is awesome. It's called PEPPER, and I don't remember what it stands for, but it's P-E-P-P-R, but it's preparation for residents to teach as an academic professor. Uh, So first of all, Uh, tell me a little bit about your goals, and then we can kind of talk about the routes to get there. And just to be clear that I teach at a community college, so a two-year school that doesn't have a four-year degree. Uh, Then there's teaching at an undergraduate institution, and then there's teaching at a pharmacy school. And that pharmacy school may or may not be with an undergrad. Uh, Some are all graduate. So tell me a little bit about your goals, and then we can kind of talk about what are the steps uh, to get there.
1: So I would like to be a clinical pharmacist and work in pediatrics, but I also would like to be a clinical professor as well. So I'd like to go in and speak to students who are studying pharmacy about my area specialty. And that's my goal. And so to get there, I've been um, applying to DMAC for a teaching position for this fall.
0: Yeah, so if you, not, if you don't know, I'm Tony Guerra. I work at Des Moines Area Community College. And that doesn't give you anything about the scope, but we are actually the largest school in Iowa. We have about 36,000 to 40,000 students uh, every year, and uh, that's across many campuses, all the way from where Iowa State University is in Ames at the Hunsaker Center to Boone, out in uh, a little bit to the west of that, uh, all the way down to the urban campus, which is right by the capital in Des Moines. So... Uh, We have a huge, huge number of campuses. Uh, Electronically, it's all together, uh, but we're in a bunch of different places. So uh, tell me a little bit about the position that you applied for, uh, how you felt you might be uh, qualified for it, and how you feel this could help your residency experience.
1: So for the past five weeks, I've been working with Tony and teaching anatomy. And teaching anatomy, I thought, would be helpful as I'm studying for my boards. It's a good review of the body systems. I decided, since I've been teaching these past five weeks, that I may be able to teach on my own for the semester. And I thought that also helped me prepare as becoming a pharmacist and having these experiences, prepping lectures and prepping quizzes and an accelerated summer course, I think has hopefully prepared me to teach for fall.
0: Yeah, and and you're doing exactly what I did just on a different timeline. So when I went to residency, I was... Uh, fall with the University of Iowa in Iowa City, and then I saw a position that opened up for an adjunct professor, and so the first thing I want to kind of explain is what is an adjunct position. Uh, Then there are other positions like uh, visiting, and then there's the the levels with uh, honorifics, assistant, associate, full professor. So let me just kind of go through those. So an adjunct is simply, simply someone that's hired from the outside that is not an employee uh, of the university. It's on a contract basis and it would be on a contract basis for the semester. So uh, I think the class is actually already full. That is, there's already people in it. But let's say that there are only three people. They canceled the class. Uh, that's a contract. You, you're not going to teach the class. There's no class, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, so I actually uh, taught as an adjunct as my very first position here at DMac uh, in the summer. I taught organic chemistry and I was qualified because when I did my farm D, they had just made the farm D, and so they took a bunch of classes from the PhDs at Maryland, and then they added some clinical courses. And when you look at my actual transcripts, the magic number is 18. If you have 18 professional or graduate credits in a subject, so it's not uncommon for a chiropractor to teach anatomy, uh, for uh, those types of uh, fields. I, I've had podiatrists uh, teach anatomy, even physicians. Um, I think a dentist was teaching it. Uh, That's who I learned under. So when you're talking about community colleges and even four-year universities looking for an adjunct, if you want to get teaching experience in a classroom with undergraduates, uh, you just have to have those 18 credits. Now, uh, sometimes the, the hiring committee or the person that's hiring you is going to have to look at your transcript a little bit differently because your transcript may have very strange things like P-H-R something or P-H-A-R or what are yours? yours P-B-A. Are P-B-A. P-B-A? P-B-A. P-B-R? So no, that's your degree. But what what's the actual acronym for your classes? Like P-H something or other. Like Pharm...
1: Pharmaco- inter- the interprof- pharmacotherapy, IPC?
0: No, there's going to be like a four-digit code or a three-digit code. Like my no, class is... Farm, okay, yeah, so for yours it's farm, and what you need to explain to the, to the person that's hiring you is explaining, okay, well, right, we need to know what part of that farm was BIO for bio, or what part of that farm was CHM for chemistry. And so with my degree, it actually is, okay, you've taken X number of classes of biochemistry, microbiology, uh, anatomy, and physiology, and we took a lot of those classes, And so it takes a little bit more work on the person that's hiring you. But a pharmacist can teach at a community college, can teach an undergraduate. Uh, And often there's, it's kind of nice because you have that practical experience that you can kind of bring in. So tell me, though, a little bit about when you actually just, what made you go on the website and look at at one point? I never told you to do this. So I'm just kind of like, that's so cool. Uh, What made you do it?
1: I've been very interested in teaching and have enjoyed my experience teaching at DMAC. So a few weeks in, I started looking at positions that were available to see if I could teach anatomy or teach other courses um, just on the side in the evening, for example. And so I started just looking at DMAC's website because I wanted to continue for this fall. I then decided to contact the person who had listed the posting to make sure that I was qualified because it did say that I needed 18 credit hours of a master's in biology, so then I worked with this individual and made sure that I was qualified to apply, and then I had an interview with him, and we've been discussing since.
0: Okay, so I just want to clarify a point about that. It's a master's in biology or any master's or higher level degree that has 18 credits. So, for example, I've got a master's of human-computer interaction, and intentionally, Uh, I come from a PhD in in rhetoric and professional communication, so I actually have 18 credits of English and 18 credits of MHCI, so I can teach either human-computer interaction or Comp 1 and 2 and and those writing classes, Uh, and I did that at at Iowa State for for two years, and um, it's neither here nor there, but uh, basically I got that master's uh, for free uh, if you look at the you know the classes and all that stuff. Okay, well let's let's talk a little bit about pharmacy school and uh, what it takes to become a professor in pharmacy school. Uh, because of the great expansion, we did see a lot of younger. Um, and your dean would use the word <laughs> less seasoned or more seasoned. <laughs> that's 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 the Latender uh, way. But uh, he said that you know now now uh, there's opportunities for less seasoned. Um, graduates, and even people that have just graduated from PGY-1 or PGY-2. And so I want to kind of go through what the three professors are. There's an assistant professor, an associate professor, and a full professor. And the traditional amount of time was five to seven years between assistant and associate, and then another five to seven years from associate to professor. And the reason it's such a big deal is that basically, if you don't get the next one, that usually means you're done, which is kind of a public, that's where publisher parish came from. So back in the day, you would have to have three publications. And these aren't books. These are general peer-reviewed publications. And this is kind of for PhD and things like that. Uh, but the, the whole point is that you have to be an expert in your field, recognized by other people in your field over those first five to seven years as you go from assistant to associate. Then my understanding is when you go from associate to professor, you are becoming a national expert. That is, that if somebody's like, "Okay, well, I need to find out about pediatrics, but I need to find out specifically about maybe RSV in pediatrics and that treatment," you might be one of the three people in the country that I would come to. That would be how you would be regarded as a full professor. Uh, so. What I want to hear next about, I guess, is you know what's your kind of plan. I know that uh, you've starting to think about PGY one, PGY two. Uh, what might be your ideal scenario? Not telling me where necessarily, uh, but what what are you looking at in terms of the experiences you're hoping to gain uh, over the next couple of years?
1: So I would like to gain experience with residency and becoming a specialized pharmacy in pediatrics, which would be a two year residency program. And then I would like to continue teaching while I am doing residency, just maybe one class if possible and get that experience. And then later on, I'd like to be an associate professor and help teach those specialty IPCs and coming in to speak to pharmacy students about what my practice is. And so I'm trying to take the steps now to get comfortable teaching and learning how to teach and how to be an effective communicator so that I can get to becoming possibly that full-time associate, that full-time professor role.
0: Okay. Well, let's do, let's do something fun. Let's tell you what you've won. Um, so if you become a professor or, you know, go into assistant, associate, and full professor, then there's other things that come to you. So for the first thing that I was kind of surprised about, and I was like, who's this person emailing me? They would ask me to review textbooks. They say, well, we want you to be a reviewer. What does that mean? Well, a reviewer of a textbook is somebody that basically looks at the textbook and says, you know, is this right? And, you know, does this make sense for my course and things like that? Then if you do good reviews, a lot of times they'll say, would you like to contribute a chapter to a book or, in my case, they said, would you like to write half of a textbook? It's a textbook that's already been through six editions. What we need to do is we need to have you make sure that... So Mosby is the original author. And so what I was writing was half of Mosby's pharmacy technician. And so then they pay you to write half the book. Um, I can't talk about the money, but it's, it's decent. Uh, and then so once you get to that point where, okay, I've written half the book, they may say, okay... we'd like you to write the book and so now you get your own book and so I did that uh, two years ago or a year ago it came out last October and so there's this been progression where as a professor not only do you get to teach the course but now you get to instead of teaching what would be 24 students which is where you'll start you'll then get to teach 100 to 125 students over a semester and then from there you start teaching people by writing books, papers and those kinds of things. So but what I'm so excited about is the cost of this appy, your tuition is about what you're going to earn from that class. So but I have noticed I didn't do that though. That's what I'm also so disappointed about. Like you did it on your own. But anyway, I'm so excited that this appy could pay for itself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, so excited about that uh, because I, I just feel like I get it. You know, you're like, why am I paying to work for free, right? And and the the, the unfortunate thing is that as an instructor, I, I know that you guys think we get paid, but we I get absolutely nothing. And even if the preceptor site got money for it, the preceptor themselves would not get the money. It would go to the hospital or to the system or to the pharmacy. So when you're, you know, kind of frustrated with your preceptor and your preceptor kind of frustrated with you, remember, this is a volunteer position. <laughs> so you've got a volunteer getting paid by, not getting paid by someone. And then, you know, they're, they're just trying to do the best job they can. And so what happens is, and why that sometimes goes on the wrong end of things where you're like, okay, now I'm just getting paid to be a tech. And that shouldn't happen. Uh, you should be doing clinical things uh, basically everywhere or, or something related to it. But the reason that that happens is, is that the preceptor has to have you do enough work to free them up to teach you, if that makes sense. So it's, uh, because there's no pay and time off for it, uh, they have to in some way make it so that that, that works out. So, OK, well, I know you wanted to talk about the experience and, and give me a grade and, and talk about how uh, you did. But first of all, what I want to know is what did you expect and what was different from what you expected? Because we literally threw you in the fire like it was, hi, welcome to DMAC. We're teaching in 15 minutes. OK. Uh,
1: so it was a little overwhelming at first. Uh, I've never taught before. I do have a little experience. you never taught before? Never taught before. Really? I have teaching. have oh, uh, okay. teaching assistant. But now that I've, then over the course of the five weeks, I've figured out how can I effectively teach these students and what's the best content for them. And so that's been really interesting and exciting to, not only for me as a student and a learner to then teach it to others. And so that's been a pretty big role is how can I be, even though I know this information, how can I teach it to them? And that's been a good challenge of how to figure that out. It's also given me good presentation skills, being able to speak to smaller groups, but still get that experience and get comfortable.
0: I I guess I just want to know, because I feel like in October, right? Is that when you pick your appies? I feel like you're kind of picking blind because you're, you're picking from a catalog. What I really would prefer, and I, I think I sent a video. Is the, Did you see a video? No video? All right. I think they added videos, or maybe that's true. Um, But I feel like there should be a video for every site so that it's like a lot easier to see. And I w- we should have videoed you. That's what we should have done. We should have videoed you. We can bring you back. We can, bring you, we can, we can video you in, when you're actually in your job. That would be awesome. Um, but no, I, I think that... I guess I want to... like What did you expect to do on a day-to-day basis? Because I, I feel like the big kind of shock of teaching is how much of the teaching is preparation to teach and how little of it is the actual show.
1: Um, so I thought more is. That was maybe gonna be more like a teaching assistant role um, and helping with the course and preparing materials for the course. So it was good (laughs) that I had the experience to teach on my own so that I got that experience so then I can go and teach others. Yeah,
0: you taught every single day you were here. Yeah, so that's not uncommon. Um, In the fall, I have dentist hours. I'm very excited about that. I should be teaching Monday through Thursday. Not that my, my schedule is that hard, uh, but but no, I'm I'm real I'm just really excited because that that's a that's kind of a new new barrier that's that's broken through that that you've uh, you know gotten a, a teaching role for fall, uh, or likely you're gonna have a teaching role for fall. So, all right, well, what what do you think? Um, so the the nice thing is where, because we've got back-to-back-to-back Iowa students, uh, one Iowa student gave you a little bit of a, a tips and, and things that's going on. The Dropbox continues to be the same Dropbox for everybody. Google Drive, they use probably Google Drive and other sites, right? And then, so now you're able to tell your classmate, hey, this is what you need to do. Uh, this is Monday. Uh, welcome to campus. You're teaching 15 minutes later, like literally 15 minutes later. Um, what what advice do you have for somebody that's going to go into a, a teaching rotation that maybe you're like, if I had known this, I would have prepared in this way?
1: So I would have done differently. It can be pretty overwhelming at first when you're trying to figure out how to teach, but I would recommend that you use several different resources to learn what's effective for your students and come up with Variety of ways. So if that's a visual way, or if that's if they're an auditory learner, come up with a variety of ways so that you're effectively teaching. Um, I would, if you're going into a teaching role, just realize that it does take quite a bit of time to prepare every day, um, even though you're only teaching for a couple hours. It it does take probably eight to ten hours to prepare for those few hours and make sure that you have the right content, especially if if you've never taught before. So I would be mindful of that.
0: Okay. Yeah, and and that's the thing that's a little bit unusual is that because I've been teaching for 13 or 14 years, uh, for example, you know, we, we couldn't get the sound guy in quick enough to get the sound to work on the overhead. And so we had a video, so I'm like, all right, well, I already know what's in the video. I've been teaching this so long. And so next semester, if you were to have taught the same course, you would get to this point in the course, you're like, oh yeah, I've got those PowerPoints. I've got those done. So uh, when it comes to actually getting ready for the class, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think the, the good analogy for this is when you, when you look at a a physician's notes versus a resident's notes. So like a resident's notes, you're like page one, page two, page three, and then you see the attendings notes and it's like, you know, half of page one. And then you see, you know, the, the physician or surgeon, and it's like a couple sentences. And uh, that, that's just how it is. I mean, there, there is some time, but the nice thing is that when you're teaching over and over again uh, in the same courses, uh, the next semester becomes, okay, well, this was a point where, man, we really struggled and we, we did not get through it the way that I wanted to get through it. Uh, let's try something a little bit different. But you were pretty good on the fly. I, I'm gonna give you that. You were, uh, when, when it came, and, and it's nice that we are face-to-face with them, um, when you saw, you're like, oh, no. Okay, what I said didn't, didn't register. Okay, let's let's do this another way. And although I, I wanted my SciRide bus analogy, you continued with your fish analogy for Le Chatelier. Um, so we have different, different images that, that we want to convey. And I was just, uh, I was so excited to see the growth that you had. So let's, now, now my turn. Okay, so now I get to give you your grade. So in the beginning... Um, You had never taught before. And the one thing that's very difficult is pacing. Like, can I slow down enough for someone that is desperately trying to write this down, trying to to follow along with you? And uh, what a really good tip is, if you're teaching or trying to teach someone something, is to not present just off the PowerPoint, but to actually use your light pen. And the reason you do that is because that means it's going to take you some time. Is that what it's called? It's an Apple pen, I know, but is it a light pen or? Yeah, Uh, is to use that light pen because it will slow you down. And so as your the amount of time it takes you to write something is the exact same amount of time it takes someone else to write something. But with a PowerPoint, you can speed through it when you get nervous. And so while you're going to get comfortable with teaching, all of a sudden it's going to be Like we were talking about Harry Styles earlier, and and I can just imagine this fifth grader actually meeting Harry Styles like, oh my God, oh my God. But there's going to be a point where you're sitting there, and you're going to be interviewing for a pediatric residency, and all of a sudden, instead of teaching anatomy and chemistry, they're going to ask you to present something, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, these guys are all board-certified pediatric pharmacotherapists, they're experts in their field, Tip one, don't try to impress them. <laughs> don't, don't try to say, I'm an expert at this. Rather, bring them into the conversation and say, hey, you know, this was really interesting to me. Uh, for me, it would be, okay, my daughter uh, had py- pyloric stenosis surgery to correct, you know, what happened with something like that. And, and make a great story out of it. And make sure that you have a beginning, middle, and end to the story. You get to the conflict. You have the denouement. You have all that stuff. Make it a great story. But there's going to be a point where you're doing the same thing. And by using a light pen, you're writing it down. And so if somebody wants to write something down, they can. Uh, The other tip I'll give you if you're going to use PowerPoints, and I don't recommend it, but if you do use the PowerPoints, to have a single question slide. So instead of putting a question and having the answer on the same slide, have you have all the slides in the world that you can use you don't you don't have to compress things to make sure that you have very little content on each slide and to put a full sentence at the top like what this slide is about cuz you already know what the slide is and what you're going to present but to orient the person that you're talking to if you put a single sentence on there okay i get it you're going to give me the force st- the four severities of some form of asthma or some kind of breathing difficulty. Okay, that orients me to the slide. And it's gonna slow you down. So the first thing that I was so impressed with is that you have slowed down so much. And I get it, you're a fast runner, faster than me, super fast, and you're, you're very humble about it. Um, so that was the first thing is, is speed. Uh, the second thing is that when you're not looking down and you're looking up, You're actually being attentive to what they, the feedback that they're giving you. And so this is the second great thing that you did is that you started being so attentive to what the audience was doing. And so the audience was either, okay, I'm flipping my book. I'm not there yet. Oh, okay. Let's take a second. Let's orient everybody. Everybody's on the same page, literally. And now we're in a position where now we can kind of continue forward. Uh, the third great thing you did was you got everybody's names. And once you started getting everybody's names, they knew that you cared and that now they would feel comfortable with you. And so I don't know if I I should have done a better job of saying, this is uh, Sydney, you can call her Sydney, because they're like, well, you're going to be a professor, you are a professor, you're a pharmacist, what are you going to be? And I have to remember to do that too. So do you want us to call us Dr. How do you pronounce that? Guerrera, Guerrera, Guerra, Guerra rhymes with Sarah. Okay, no, just call me Tony. Okay, Tony. And you do that. Um, The reason you use first names in a pharmacy is the same reason you use first names in a plane is that you want someone to be familiar enough with you that if there's something like Pilot, we're running out of fuel. Oh, I'm glad you were comfortable telling me that. Because in honor cultures, um, there's some Asian cultures, South American cultures, that in honor culture an honor culture, they would, and this has happened, they have crashed the plane because it was incorrect for someone who's a subordinate to tell the pilot, you're flying the wrong way, you're flying without fuel, we're gonna hit the ground. And so that would have been a, a loss of honor. Um, so I kind of went a little sidetracked there, uh, but that was a, a third great thing that you did was was uh, the names So uh, if you can capture those things, I think that you can make uh, very quickly because I mean in five weeks it was it was like They would come to you they're like well, I'm, I'm still here, too. You know you can ask me questions but they're like no. No, that's cool. That's cool We'll go to Sydney especially for math Um, But I I was really impressed with that. And then tell me a little bit about what you did as you started working with the light pen and then uh, highlighting and the colors because I think that that was when they were really finally getting the math when you were making differentiations within the colors.
1: So I started to help them follow along of where since we were discussing for chemistry a bunch of different numbers that were involved in the parts that, are, that were involved in the equation so I would highlight with the same color with my light pen to, so they could easily follow where everything was coming from and then I'd walk through each step and I'd try to be consistent with keeping those colors the same so they could follow exactly where I was starting to where I then ended up and finished.
0: Yeah, so if you're doing bank calculations, creatinine clearance calculations, uh, those types of things, you could readily kind of use that, that method of color, So, All right, well, Sydney, this is the, the sad day um, where you, you move on and um, you bring someone else in uh, next week, but thank you again for all your hard work. The students appreciate you, and um, don't tell me if they email you, because that'll just hurt my feelings, that they continue to, to ask for you instead of me. Uh, any last words for the the for the, um, anybody thinking about an academic rotation?
1: I would just say that try your best, be confident, and you'll get through it. It'll be okay at first. It can be overwhelming. But once you get comfortable and you understand how it works best for you to be an effective communicator with students, I think that will, like Tony said, with those three steps will get you there.
0: And you did something that you should always do, which is you never said, this is my first day, so go easy on me. They have no idea. It's like a wedding. Nobody knows how it's supposed to go. It went the way it was supposed to go. Exactly. So I'm I'm glad you did that. So thank you again for all your hard work. And thank you guys for listening to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.